Brought to you by Dubois Productions. Hello and welcome back to NO and JB Sports Pedigree. We are back to provide insight on a wide variety of sports topics from NBA hoops to NFL football, Major League Baseball to college hoops. It's a big day today in that world. Our goal is to not only share some insight and talk about some topics that maybe you hadn't discussed before, but to have a whole lot of fun while we do it and we want you to have fun right along with us. So let's not waste any more time. I am JB. And I am N.O. Good afternoon, man. <laughs> Good afternoon. Oh, man. Long week. Welcome to the podcast, N.O. and JB Sports Pedigree. Yeah. Putting in work, out recruiting. Welcome back. Um, but ready to record the podcast today, and we're going to start off with a new segment that we introduced in the last episode, y'all. Yes. We're talking about the week ahead. JB, what goes down in that one? So, really what we're going to do, it's pretty self-explanatory. We're going to take a look at the big games or events that we think are of the most importance um, that should be top of mind for you, and we would certainly encourage you to check them out um, through all across the wide range of the sports world. I'll let you uh, start us off this week, you know? Well, we got to start it off with the first four days of March Madness. Yes. Now, that's Thursday through Sunday, the end of which culminates with the Sweet 16 being set in stone. Upsets, buzzer beaters, random hoopers that you have never heard of yep. having their coming yep. out party. It's wild, man. Those first four days, you know, 16, actually six days if you count the two playing days. So, I oh, mean, yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yes, and, sir. Um, Everybody looks forward to it, and it's all about the upsets, really. I said, a, I said a bunch there, but it's all about the upset games. Oh, for sure. And, of course, I had that. I'll take that one off my list since I also had that one, too. But just to chime in a bit, I mean, I, for me personally, I don't think there are any two better days in sports than that opening Thursday and Friday. Um, those are my favorite days probably the entire year just because – even if my team isn't in it, I mean, you can find teams to pull for. And uh, like you said, the upsets. And I remember back in the day, we would only be able to watch, you know, one or two games at a time. But now the fact that, you know, you can literally see every game, um, it's just it just makes it so much fun. So um, I actually want to start off by saying I, I misspoke last week on the week ahead because um I was looking at the calendar wrong when it came to the Champions League uh, round of 16 that only half of the games happened last week. So there are four remaining games that will be this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. And just want to highlight for you the Leipzig and Manchester City on Tuesday or Inter Milan and Porto. Both those games are hotly contested. And I would uh, advise if you have any any inclination uh, for being a soccer fan or want to check out some highly high-level skill um, football, check those games out. That's good stuff, JB. Monday night, KD returns to Golden State with his new team. Now, obviously, <laughs> he's going to be sitting on the bench in yeah, the game, but still, the things that are going to come from this, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, you know, no Mikhail Bridges now, obviously DeAndre Ayton, but the animosity between Clay Thompson and Devin Booker. We definitely looking forward to that. And must see. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how the, how the game's going to go. Obviously, I would have been far more interested if Kevin Durant was playing against his former team and the dynamic between him and Draymond Green. But the we've seen the dynamic of the Suns playing with KD, and they're a little bit different team. But uh, in terms of the way they play, the style of play, the style of basketball they play. I mean, DeAndre Ayton's points went way down in those games KD played, which means what? Which means Chris Paul's not running as much pick and roll. Can Chris Paul live with that? <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, man, that's must-see. You know, you, that's another one I had on my list. So we're on the same uh, wavelength here this week. So I'll skip that one. And, uh, actually, we'll skip a day ahead uh, I had also highlighted, again, thinking KD was going to be in the game, um, the Bucks at the Suns on Tuesday oh, yeah. night. Um, I think it's going to be another good one. Now, whether or not Giannis plays in that, I'm not sure. But that's a lot of people, you know, you hear 
could predict that as a potential preview to the finals. I, I, I don't I don't feel that way, but I think that'll be a, a excellent matchup nonetheless on Tuesday night. Yes, it will. I mean, you can't go wrong when you got Giannis in a game against one of the better teams in the Western Conference, the Phoenix Suns, uh, KD or no KD. That being said, we're going to do a quick switch here, and I'm going to highlight something that not a lot of people watch. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I rarely watch it myself, spring training games. Oh. Now, oh. When, when you really into baseball, like JB and I really get with midsummer, especially when the Reds are at least in a race, you know, spring, spring training can be the time to mentally get prepared yep. for the next seven months of baseball. You know, guys battling for starting spots. Why not watch some of these early games that come on television that really can reveal a lot as it pertains to team strengths and weaknesses? And you can kind of see, OK, so they got a little bit better starting pitching and um, and I, and the new things that come along with the game of baseball. Now, you know, the bigger bases, uh, the pitch clock and, and the no more shifts. So these are things um, that allow for spring training to be watchable right mm. generally nobody wants to watch spring training but there's some new stuff going on and um it's useful now i like that yeah there's a lot of and, and we'll uh maybe a bit of a prelude i think we'll do a maybe a mlb season preview coming up but yeah some of the changes have already made a uh yeah i don't know if i'll say significant but made a decent impact already we like to we can chat about that later but good good stuff um my last one, I'll stick with the NBA. Kind of a maybe a bit of a low-key under the radar game next Saturday afternoon. The Denver Nuggets visit the New York Knicks. Oh, uh, tell me Knicks, about it, JB. The Knicks have been hot. You still got the one seed Nuggets, who a lot of people are not buying into. Uh, ultimately, myself included, I'd be one of those people. And you're going to uh, play at Madison Square Garden against a team that's been on a roll that really can lock down defensively. And they played earlier in the season in Denver. The Knicks won that game 106-103. So I think that's going to be a very interesting game to watch that may tell you a lot about how the Nuggets might play come playoff time because we all know the intensity and the on defense really goes up a notch when you get to that uh, time of year. Yeah, and the Knicks are a physical team, a good depiction yep. of the type of the style of squad you're going to play against in a Western Conference. I mean, maybe not those seven, eight seeds, but when you get into the second mm -hmm. round and conference finals, potentially, yep. which they're probably not going to make, um, <laughs> I'll give them maybe second round, maybe second round. But we'll see. It's exciting, man. It's good but, stuff. Uh, man, basketball, man, you know, the NBA coming up on the it's playoff season here about a month and a half from now. So we're looking forward mm. to that. Um, but college basketball, right? It's it's March Madness time, yes. and we love it almost more than any other tournament slash playoff mm. version of any sport. And um, we're gonna pop back into college basketball conversation with the top five point guards five? in college basketball playoff, well, college basketball history. Oof. Our top five point guards, obviously JB and I. This is completely our opinion here on. You know, in JB Sports Pedigree, but mm -hmm. we're not blindly giving out how we feel. We're going to give you stats yep. to back up why we feel the way we do, why we think these are our top five point guards of all time. Um, and because all of these guys are done playing in college, I ranked mine. Mm, and for I those of y'all that know yeah. how I do it, you know, generally when we do top fives where guys are still playing, I just say my top, I don't rank them. I ranked all five of these guys, JB. So let's go back and forth on our on our top fives. Okay, and you know we can uh, we can see how many both of us had on the same on, on our lists. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. See what differences we had, JB? I'm gonna start it off. All right, before My you do, five, real quick, let ahead. me just say I want to say preface all of it by saying that this this was definitely a hard challenge for me because you got to think about when you're looking at professional level teams. You have 30, 32 teams. There's hundreds of college basketball players over such a long period of time, and they don't play as long. So when you're looking at backing up your opinion, you can't pull as much from the, oh, they won this these many titles and that sort of thing. So really, um, I could easily, in fact, I wrote down like 10 and just kind of went from there. Um, 
so yeah it was definitely tough and i'm sure we're gonna maybe have some discrepancies here but again it, it's you know that's why we do this so go ahead i'm sorry i'm gonna guess we have at least three of the same ones okay at least three possibly four all right my number five point guard of all time in college basketball jay williams Ooh. back then known as jason williams played three years at duke accolades y'all freshman of the year acc rookie of the year led them to a national title as a sophomore and won naismith player of the year back in 2002 as a junior and he did it all with a good squad around him i mean we can't lie i mean they had carlos boozer mike dunleavy shane battier during that championship year but jb that does not minimize jay williams greatness you know we're talking about the smooth pull-up jump shooting can create his own shot off the dribble beautiful shot great passer and he got after it on d2 and he could finish above the rim minus the injury we could have been looking at jay williams as one of the best point guards in nba history y'all there, there, mm -hmm. there was a huge possibility of him being a dog in the nba but the injury happened and um he turned out to be a really good you know commentator uh he sure did but he was a freak in college that's a good one man all right i'll start off with my number five point guard in college gary payton i got the glove okay. at number five six four a buck 80 in college four-year player which we don't see a lot of that nowadays um uh pack 10 uh i'm sorry pack 12 i think it was pack 10 back when he played though well, it was definitely <laughs> pack 10 uh he yeah. was on the of course all freshman team three-time all uh conference selection uh, player of the year as a senior where he averaged 25 eight assists and five boards for his career 18.1 points and 7.8 assists in college and maybe more remarkably 2.7 steals shooting at a 53 percent clip and 37 percent from downtown um, we all know the in the, the other part i didn't mention is separating how we know that they played professionally because I tried to not let that skew my opinion of, you know, their college accolades. And that was also another challenge that I had. <laughs> anyway, um, Gary Payton, excellent in college at OSU, not the Ohio State University, but Oregon State. Beavers. I love Beavers. it, man. Gary Payton did not make my list, but come on, man. One of my favorite guards of all time. Mm -hmm. My number four player, y'all. 1957 to 1960, UC Bearcat, Oscar oh, Robertson, yeah. the big O, led the nation in scoring all three seasons that he played in college. Two Final Four appearances, too, y'all. 79-9 all-time record, you know. And just in case y'all forgot, he won the state title in 1955. Oh, where was that? 1956 as the first predominantly black high school in the nation to do so yes y'all that's indianapolis crispus addicts high school the tigers downtown indianapolis just west of downtown and um what a what a monster he was and a lot a lot of people don't consider him a point guard in college mm -hmm. obviously in the nba he mm -hmm. was but he he definitely was more of a scoring guard but he did it all in every level that he played at and he's one of the greatest of all time and honestly uh, I, I flirted heavily with putting him higher on the list mm -hmm. but these three guys that are above him on the list just nipped him just nipped the big old man like well hey you can't go wrong man i mean all these dudes are amazing players um and as you're talking about accolades you know i did definitely lean more towards guys that uh as we move higher up the list that had success um as far as overall team come tournament wise, because I think more than any position, especially in college basketball, we always talk about the importance of guard play. And really, if you've got a dynamic, awesome, you know, point guard, I think those guys, uh, the wins for them maybe are of a bit more significance than potentially other positions. Um, Good point. Number four on my list uh, is Steph Curry. Um, Davidson put them on the map three years back to back all Americans led his mid-major squad nearly to the final four almost single-handedly 
25.7 points a game. Um, Two-time conference player of the year. And again, I remember watching games in college with Steph where um, they would play a, a box and one on him. And I, there was literally a game where he nearly stand, stood out on half court where they're almost double teaming him and let the rest of the team. That's how much respect he was given for his ability to score the basketball. Uh, I definitely flirted with him being higher because I thought about, you know, if he would have happened to have been on a Power 5 team, what that would have looked like. Um, but got him at number four on the list. Honestly, the reason he's number three on my list, is, oh. but I also flirted with him being higher, is because he did what he did at Davidson. Right. And exactly. not at a higher school. And take into account what Steph Curry did back in 2008, y'all. He led the Davidson Wildcats to the Elite Eight. A near Final Four appearance, y'all. Led his team in so many statistical categories. And <clears throat> really, there's only a couple questions that are back up my reasoning for Steph Curry being on this list. Because I know a lot of people will probably have to, you know, where's Bobby Hurley and them? Come on, Chill. Now. Come on. JB. Can you name anybody else on that Davidson team? <laughs> no. Okay, let me ask one more question, JB. Can you name any other player in Davidson basketball history? I don't. Nope, I can't. My point exactly. And all y'all out there, before y'all go on y'all cell phones and y'all start looking people up, the fact that you can't name anybody else in Davidson basketball history other than Steph Curry, and we literally watch these dudes be one play away couple plays away from the final four tells you all you need to know mm -hmm. steph curry my number three point guard of all time college basketball history excellent well said number three i got the guy from your favorite team the hoosiers isaiah thomas the third six one a buck 60 a little guy but this guy was a dog and I mean, people forget about it all levels, the intensity that he played with, leadership qualities. Only there for two years, got a title in 81, Final Four Most Outstanding Player, maybe the best award you can get as a college hooper. Uh, first team All-American in 81, shot 53% from the floor at, for his career there, averaging 15.4 points and 5.7 assists and 2.2 steals. And I just, you know, some of the things that he did, I think, are a little bit harder to quantify when it comes to his leadership. You know, the type of offense that he played in, he's not going to have as prolific of numbers as if he had played maybe at another spot. So the numbers that he had there, that it almost, you know, skews them for me as even being more outstanding. And you just watch the eye test. This guy was an amazing player, number three for me. Yeah, he was number two on my list. So we're gonna continue down this trend okay. that we've been there for the last couple of players. Um and really all I have I don't have a lot to add, but I will add that he's my favorite Indiana Hoosier basketball player of all time. Yes. Mm. It's not even close. Obviously, wow. I'm a Purdue fan, but those of y'all have been under a rock. But Isaiah Thomas, all day long. My dude, two years in Bloomington, y'all. National title in nineteen eighty one. J B highlighted this, you know, what he did on the court. And it was a tough situation for him. I mean, thinking about playing for the general. Young brother from yeah. Chicago, Illinois, playing for Bobby Knight. And, and he actually, they had a really good relationship. So, I mean, that tells me a lot about not only Bobby Knight, but him being mature at such a young age. Little dude, too. And um, Isaiah Thomas. There's nothing like Isaiah Thomas, man. Nothing. Like, nobody compares to him in the heart that he had and the fight that he had at his size doing what he did That's in the NBA what, yeah. and college basketball. Like, it, you really can't even quantify it. Like it's you just have to watch him and see it. Yep. Isaiah Thomas, number Look two up on the my highlights. List. Hey, my favorite Hoosier. Shout out to AJ Guyton. All right, number two on my list. He was a good player too. Oh, he was a baller. Number two on my list is the Big O. And uh, you know, as we do these lists, I always take into account the time period which they played. I certainly feel like the Big O could have competed really any point in time. Uh, throughout history, but it's pretty evident the competition he faced just wasn't quite the same as if he would have been playing now. So that's probably why he's not number one, because otherwise you look at his accolades, a 6'5", 205-pound guy 
averaging 33.8 points and 15.2 rebounds for his career in college is just ludicrous. Throw on seven assists on top of that as well. So uh, two Final Fours for the Bearcats in his three years. That's a right. National Player of the Year. Um, easily could be argued, it, you know, is the best ever. But he's number two on my list. Which means we both have the same number one. And we let's do. go ahead and say it at the same yep. time. Three, two, one. Magic, Magic. Johnson. Thirteen <laughs> All American as a freshman. Yeah. Right. Led state to the NCAA title as a sophomore. I'm seeing a trend here. Isaiah Thomas is a sophomore. Jay yeah. Williams. Magic Johnson. Oh wow. Name most outstanding player of the Final Four. First team All American too, y'all. Signed, sealed, and delivered as number one. Easily. Career yep. 17, 7, and 8. So, I mean, it was kind of a prelude to what he was going to do in the NBA for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yep. The ultimate definition. We talk about guys who make players around them better. Mm. Magic Johnson is the poster child for that agenda. He is. JB, go ahead and add whatever, nah, you, whatever I mean, else you, you got. You listed it out, mm. and he was listed at 6'8 in college. So, 6'8, six, 6'9, six, yeah. like, that's that was iconic. I would even say just game changing because I don't think anybody ever of that size had been allowed to yeah not to that even point yeah be in that position as the leader point guard of a team and That's it right. really revolutionized I think the way that we look at basketball um, because now I mean think about nowadays we have seven footers almost that bring the ball up the court so Magic was just such an icon and such a force in college basketball. Um, yeah, easily. That was maybe the easiest part was putting him at that spot. Uh, everything well, yeah. else was tough. <laughs> Shout out to Judd Heathcote, former Michigan yeah, State basketball coach, for Judd getting that in there. And um, nice right there on that top five point guards at the college level of all time, y'all, yeah. as we move into March Madness. And <clears throat> as JB alluded to a bit ago, you're going to see a lot of great point guard play this March because the team that generally wins it or makes it to the Final Four, or you think about the lower seeds who pull the upsets, it's not usually about they big men. Or you know, Roberts. You just never know. You just <laughs> never know. You got to have great guard play, you know. Yes, you do. Got to. And um, we just talked about state. I'm going to keep it in the Big Ten for my personal segment, JB. Okay. And I got to show love to Penn State Nittany Lion basketball oh. Oh. and Coach Micah Shrewsbury. Now, a lot of people may not know, Micah Shrewsbury, longtime Purdue assistant under Matt Painter, who finally got his opportunity as a head coach, and he's walking right into the big dance. Year one, JB, at one point during the Big Ten season, Penn State was 5-9, and nine, mm. dead in the water with some tough games upcoming. But after a team meeting, guys like Seth Lundy and their superstar, Jalen Pickett, they turned it around. They've won nine out of ten to get all the way to the Big Ten tournament championship game. Basically, went from outside the bracket, man, to looking like a solid, maybe seven to ten seeded team. And it's a school that rarely has Big Ten basketball success. Yeah. Think back to the Crispin Bros. You know, Penn State. You are not Iowa. You are not <laughs> Wisconsin. Consequently, I will be rooting for you in the dance. That's a good call. <laughs> Sorry, hey, Iowa, Wisconsin, man, never going to happen. Those <laughs> are uh, those are the type of teams that you got to watch out for, too. Those teams that really kind of figure it out late, Hungry. get on a roll. That's right. Uh, you know, that that's a scary team come the dance. Oh, no doubt. I wouldn't want to play Penn State. Yeah. I would not want to play them. Well, good luck. Good luck since you made it there. Good luck to your boys. We'll see what happens. Well, by the time this airs, we'll know the result. Uh, my personal segment. Uh, just switching gears and taking a step back, and I've been meaning to, to, to recognize this and just haven't had the opportunity, but I want to give a big shout-out and thank you to A.J. Green, um, recently retired from the NFL and uh, really goes down as the best receiver in franchise history, at least as it stands right now. Um, I mean, the guy, the guy came into the league in 2011, immediately impacted the team seven straight pro bowls right out of the gate uh two-time all pro goodness gracious yep from 2011 to 2017 was a pro bowler uh really was the best player on that cincinnati Bengals team while he was there until that last year where he was injured 
Um, and I would say was the catalyst for their five straight playoff appearances during the Marvin Lewis era. Um, you know, I, I just give him all the credit in the world, a class act, um, just such a good dude. And I really enjoyed hearing him say once he retired, uh, he said that him and his family can now, you know, finally go back to pulling and cheering for the Bengals now that he's retired. So I thought that was a nice little, uh, Nice little note. I'm sure he will go in the Bengals Hall of Fame. Don't don't quite know if he has the overall accolades. I mean, as a Bengal, um, nearly 10,000 yards receiving for his career at 14.5 clip with 65 touchdowns. I'm pretty certain those are some team records. They'll probably be broken here in the next few years by one Jamar Chase. But, again, I want to give him his flowers. Uh, I think he always was a bit under the radar when he was playing. And, uh man one of my all-time favorite uh players so thanks to yeah, aj green aj green i love aj green's game too um he'll be close he may not be a first yeah. battle hall of famer but there's a possibility i think he might get in down the road we'll um, see <clears throat> what a dude man what a guy he is but um we've been sticking with this college basketball kind of theme man mm-hmm. and, and got gonna to keep doing got it you know to. we, we I mean, it is man it's march and we think about it these last few months we've been giving the nba and nfl so much love but yes we got to take an episode out to talk about march madness just a little bit more y'all jb let's let's preview the tourney a little bit i'm gonna start it off by asking you a question okay any smaller schools that pop up right in your mind yep. that you know are gonna be in a dance and you think they can make a run who yep. you got or I, got, I gave a little prelude I, I guess i slipped up there i should have saved it oral roberts is the team oh yeah they, okay Asmus, I got it right. I got his name right. Hey. All right, get this guy's name right because you need to watch it. Round him. of applause. Yes, thank you. Uh, Oral Roberts is one. Another one would be Florida Atlantic. Um, oh, okay. Those guys have been hot. I think they only lost one game in the conference season. Um, I could be wrong. I'll double check that. But those two teams for me. And I got a third team that is probably a bit under the radar because of their coach. Rick Pitino's back in the dance, y'all. <laughs> For what oh, it's worth. Oh, the Iona Gale. The Iona. Iona Gales. He knows how to get it done in tournaments, so that's another <clears> team <throat> I would keep an eye on. What about you, Eno? JB, the way I look at it is that nowadays, every team coming into the dance, with the exception of a few are talented enough to win a game or two. And I truly believe that. Mm. I'm talking one to about the 14 seeded teams, maybe a couple 15s. Everybody with the exception of a couple of the teams, the bottom tier teams that will be in the playing games, everybody can win it. And I've been waiting on this transition in the postseason college basketball mode for weeks, JB. The Big Ten season could have ended mid-January and I would have been fine <laughs> from a fan's I perspective. I know. <laughs> Purdue was number one in the country and literally had nowhere higher to go from a rankings point of view. Not to mention Big Ten officiating brutal all around. Now, it's here. NCAA tourney is here finally. A top two seed was going to be the case for months unless Purdue had an epic meltdown. But how they will navigate the one and done nature of the tourney with a freshman backcourt, that's to be determined yet. And talking about my Boilermakers, obviously got to make shots, plain and simple. Edie is going to get double and triple team regularly. So making open shots is really an understatement. Now to kind of step outside of Purdue, um, I'm going to highlight some of the top teams. Obviously, Alabama, Houston, Kansas, UCLA are the Mm. other top seeds that I would say have the highest expectations. And when it comes to winning in March, a few variables tend to stand out. Obviously, we've talked about guard play, but also rebounding, Mm. right? Not turning the ball over. And not matching up with a team whose style of play exposes your biggest flaws. Now, that last one is why coaches have to scout heavy these next few days, especially after you get that, you know, the team you're playing against. You need to know if they play a style that generally gives your team problems because it might not even be about the personnel. It might just be about the style of play that causes you to have a closer game in the first round as a higher seed than you normally would have or were expected to have, you know. And got to do a lot that first week. Like these next few days are key for coaches because you're scouting not only your first round opponent, but your potential second round opponent as well, which means three th- three teams 
right? Because yep. you're only going to have one day in between that first and second round game, which is another huge thing about the NCAA tourney. So because of that quick first and second round turnaround time, um, I think that in itself is another reason those smaller schools have a chance to win and yep. only having a couple days to prepare at the beginning of the week. So look for a lot of upsets this year, JB. And I just hope my boys are not one of them. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised um, to piggyback on a couple of those top teams. Uh, Houston Cougars, it, it, it's really going to be dependent on the, the health of Marcus Sasser at this point. Uh, playing yesterday in his game, he got a, uh, like strained his groin. Um, and this kid's, I mean, he's a next level player. He's their leader, point guard, and he and missed. J- JB, what yeah. do, what do I what do I say about not playing deep into your conference yeah, tournament? Exactly. I'm si- he, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, please like, don't let nobody don't get injured hurt. in the Big Ten championship yeah. game. I don't even I don't really care about that game. I right. care about the big dance. Just play the backups. <laughs> Basically, you're right, man. Um, but yeah, he unfortunately missed the tournament last year, so it's pretty sad. I, I think the indications early are he's going to be all right to go. But uh, we'll see. And he, I mean, with them, Houston, for me, for my money, uh, they look like the team to beat. But without him, I, I would say that changes. And, yeah, how about another team? Oh, no, team? bro. Strength the, strength the schedule kind of low now. They, they don't play in a power conference, bro. Hey, they played some uh, tough teams. The, the ratings said they they had the fifth toughest schedule. So I'm not sure what, no. who they played out yeah, of the conference. Maybe but. maybe that was RPI. That, they, maybe. No, strength the, strength the schedule, they're around 100. I've, yeah. Ooh. They, yeah, they, they. I mean, they lost to they lost to Alabama, and I think they've beaten Gonzaga maybe, but they haven't. No, they haven't had a lot of tough games. Well, you got them, and uh, you know, a team like Marquette. How about some love for for that team who was picked to finish ninth in the conference? Yeah, not only tough. not only won the conference, won the conference tournament, tied a school record with twenty eight wins. Now, uh, you've got a couple other teams that. Really, just to finish out those top four seed lines: uh, Baylor, Arizona, uh, Tennessee, Gonzaga, Kansas State, Xavier. Duke has gotten hot late the season. Uh, Tennessee has fallen off a bit, and uh, I would say throwing in UConn, IU. Those are some of the probably likely favorites. It's looking like um, looking ahead to the brackets. It looks like the Big Ten's probably going to have the most teams, which that isn't surprising that seems to happen a lot i would i would from the you know quote unquote uh, experts are looking at like they'll probably have nine teams in the dance uh sec and big 12 both with eight and the big east with five as well as the acc only getting five you remember back when the acc used to get like nine ten teams every year yeah sure do kind of shifted so fell off a lot definitely um like you said, I mean, it's that's why it's so fun. You just can't predict it. I mean, any of these teams, and we've seen even now more recent history where even the one seeds are not, they're not uh, protected from that, oh, it's never happened. Well, it's happened now. So you got to go into every game playing your best game because if you get a bad matchup, um, you know, if – Say, uh, or you just have an off shooting night. Yeah, if Houston Houston goes into the, the game, Houston goes into a game not shooting, and they're playing a team that's got some senior guard play, um, and is a you know good offensive rebounding team that that can match them. You never know. So can't wait, cannot wait. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it, and um, we'll be talking about it on the next podcast episode on. In on JB Sports Pedigree. But for now, y'all, we're going to move along to Sports Dichotomy, one of the greatest segments in sports where JB and I go back and forth asking yes or no questions about a variety of subject matter. Yes. And it's fun. And we want y'all to play along and answer them before we do while you listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's JB, I'm going to kick it off today. Let's go. Nick Lodolo. Ball in his spring training will overtake Hunter Green as opening day starter. Uh, I'm gonna say no. There's I a chance now. They already named him. I thought. Okay, gotcha. <clears throat> uh, Alabama defensive end Will Anderson would be an ideal draft pick for the Colts at number four. Come on now, there's no doubt about that. Yes, the Baltimore Ravens franchise tag in Lamar Jackson is a form of modern day slavery. 
Wow. <laughs> I mean, did I gonna, did I go too far, baby? I'm gonna say no on that because then we have to look okay. at oh what, <laughs> man. That's like a man, I tell you what, that's one of them comments for them shows where they be <laughs> just making loose. <laughs> oh, they go, okay. they gonna sound bite. They gonna sound yes, bite me that's on that gonna one. Be huh? sound biting. All right, uh, Derek Carr to the Saints really isn't that big of a deal. Of course, what if he, <laughs> he, the Raiders didn't want him. Like, come on now, let's be real about it. Yeah. The Brooklyn Nets and New York Knicks are for once actually two of the most underrated NBA squads. Yeah, I would agree with that. Folks are sleeping on the Nets now. They, are. they, they can hoop too. Young, talented squad. And a, a really a brand new squad. Yeah, absolutely. This is, <laughs> I didn't think this was going to be funny, but I feel like I've said it so many times. This will finally be the year that Shohei Otani and Mike Trout get it done and get the Angels to the playoffs. Nope, <laughs> never gonna happen. If it didn't, if it didn't happen last year, man, like it maybe we'll see. JB likes the commentary of the Crispin Bros. Yes, yeah. Is it is it Joe or John? It's this John. Is both. It's John, John Crispin. Yeah, gotcha. he's solid, man. He did a good job. Um been calling the American games uh, teams being hesitant about approaching and going after Lamar Jackson long term are actually smart definitely if Wiggins and GP2 are not 100% healthy the Warriors are not advancing in the playoffs not advancing at all I mean, they are not are not contenders. We'll yeah, say that. I would I would say that. I say yeah, they, they need, need they, they need they need that contend. defense. Definitely need that defense. <laughs> the the men the, <laughs> the men's pillow fighting league is a sport and is cool. <laughs> yeah, about as cool as the other side of the pillow. Oh, but I guess that would make it cool. No, it's not cool. No. The Carolina Panthers made a smart move trading up to number one and trading DJ Moore. No. Yeah, what I don't are they think so doing? Either. The Bears are <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant for them. My my boy Lee my boy Lee is mad about that one. Uh oh. Uh United States men's soccer will never rival other parts of the world until we fix the youth system and make clubs affordable for all kids to play with. Oh, a hundred percent. No doubt about it. Jesse Winker, being back in his Midwest comfort zone, will have an all-star, maybe even MVP-level season in 2023. Mm, I'll say yeah, because I like him. Yep. It makes sense <clears throat> that Nike would drop Kyrie Irving for having an opinion about something, but yet support John Morant for making a terrible decision. <sighs> nah, I, you know, I'm going to give Nike a little bit of benefit of the doubt because, you know, yeah. with Colin Kaepernick, they so yeah, they, they uh, kind of yeah. back and forth. I'm still trying That's, to figure it's out. It's weird. Nike. Yeah, it's like I'm still trying to figure them out. Yeah. yeah. Um, speak. Uh, I got a job one. Memphis balling without Ja Morant hmm. would have a deeper playoff run without Ja if wow. they were healthy otherwise now that's if they were healthy yeah, that's the key now because they got steve clark and, and stephen adams. adams out yeah i potentially because you saw last year how they played yeah. without him yeah and that's it that's really man that's a whole other topic um calvin ridley being reinstated by the nfl actually took too long i think so definitely the lakers uh, playing solid basketball without LeBron James or shall I say a more balanced team hmm. without King James. I'm not going to say better. They're more balanced without LeBron. I mean, similar to the Grizzlies, they just might mm -hmm. be, man. Uh, yeah, seven out of their last ten. And don't look now. They're in ninth. And my next one, the Lakers will actually end up sixth or higher, not even having to do a play-in game. No, I don't think they. I don't think they're gonna get up that high. But All right. the, those teams are tight, so they might. In traveling AAU basketball for high school kids, exposure to college coaches is more important than being coached well in practicing that's a, games. That's a, that, and we that, come and we coming back to this one in JB's Justos, by the way. So let's God. let's. This is a prelude. You know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, probably is. Okay. Um. 
man. I th- it, yeah. there's there's a, it hurts it hurts to say that it hurts to say that, doesn't it? Yeah. I think there's well, if we're gonna, I'll come back to it. We'll come back. Yep. To it. Oh, you're de- you're definitely gonna get a All chance right. to here in a bit. Appreciate that. Um, no, will have the number one recruiting class in year one of his flag fr- football program. Oh, sheesh, man. We need the publication. Who's gonna put it out? Yes. All right. All right. My last one, JB. Only top-notch two-way players in the NBA should be considered for the MVP award. I agree. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I've got two more. I'm going to give you the New Orleans Pelicans are on the verge of missing the playoffs after being in the top three for a large, I don't know if a large half the season will say at this point, if you were the Pelicans, would you think about moving on from Zion? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Maybe. All right. What's your last one, bro? Last one. Whole totally predictory. There will be a double digit seed in the final four this year. Um, I don't think so. Not okay. double digit. Okay. That's, we'll, but we'll see, though. I could be wrong. All right, JB. It's time for the Just O's. Nice sports dichotomy segment yes, right there. But, um, JB. We're going to move it along to where I ask JB a personal question. And then I give JB um however long he wants or needs to justify. As this. All right. We already talked about it a little bit, but I'll specify <laughs> it more here in a sec. JB, first, let's start off with the personal question. Indiana high school basketball or Georgia high school basketball, which is more, more pure and why or how? Well, it's definitely Indiana basketball. Um, and at that, I would even say Ohio basketball. It's just it's taught differently. Uh, I feel like it's more focused on the fundamentals and less on the kind of iso ball um superficiality yeah it's it's flashy yeah that's the word and (laughs) i feel like it's just taken more seriously you know that's the the blood and the life the lifeblood of indiana is their basketball and you can just tell by the way they train the way they focus and the way they practice the biggest difference for me that i saw right out of the gate was the amount of uh not only the amount of open gyms, but what they were doing in the open gyms when we first uh-huh. moved down here. Totally, totally different. So I wouldn't be surprised if less quote-unquote talented or athletic teams from Indiana could actually take it to mm, interesting. Uh, some teams down here. Mm, that's interesting. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no doubt, JB. That's good stuff, man. Love hearing that Um, for those of y'all that, you know, wondered about the dynamics of mm-hmm. the way basketball was played in those states. Um, All right, JB. This one's for all the marbles, y'all. We, we've been talking about it a lot, you know, in, in our personal conversations. And I asked JB a question about it late in Sports Dichotomy. JB is going to discuss the interesting dynamic between organized high school athletics and pay-to-play traveling sports AAU teams. I want JB to express why either may be useful or detrimental to the growth of a high school student athlete citing variables that come into play and i kind of want to leave it broad man so you can go in whichever direction you choose in discussing aau basketball exposure being coached well high school games yep how do you feel about that jb i'm we're not even putting any time on the clock you can start now there's so much there you know, really, I think the most challenging thing going into it is having a faith and trust level in the coach and or the team. Okay. Um, especially the AAU coach or like either? Yeah, it, really either, to be honest okay. with you. Um, and from the outside, if you're looking in and you're just getting into it, it's it can be intimidating, a lot, as are a lot of things that maybe you don't have the knowledge about. So it's good to have people you do trust around you that can give you some insight and help you make these decisions for the kids because you feel like man this is my kid um like these are big decisions potentially if if you have an athlete that has the potential to play at the next level so you have to really take everything into account um and so i'll speak a little bit to my our particular situation uh we have a high school athlete is a sophomore will be going into his junior year um the high school coach this year I have found uh, to be very uh, candid 
and open and uh, seemingly genuine. So I, I have put some stock in his opinion. Um, and so the question you posed to me about which is more important for travel basketball, is it exposure, is it training? I think ultimately at the end of the day, you want to have exposure for your kid to have colleges see him or her uh to give them more opportunities to be put in front of other people, just like the more talented players you have on your team, the better, because if a scout is there to see one kid, they're going to also see your kid Ah. just by happenstance. That's a big deal that a lot of kids don't think about as well. So playing with talent and having exposure ultimately is the goal. But you also, I think, need to take into account that, just because a team is traveling and playing in a lot of big tournaments, I think there's also potential for that exposure to not necessarily be great. I mean, if, if your kid is playing on a team that is no good, I mean, how much does that impact not only their play, yes. uh, but also what the scouts who might be there, who That's might right. see their team playing like That's crap, right. you know? So... That was a big concern for us, and this year we kind of took the safe route. Uh, we went for more a team that we knew the coach a little better, and we knew all the other players, and more to prepare our son for his junior level or junior year of varsity play, um, and really just to continue because he's also still nursing uh, a bit of an injury. Uh, I think at the end of the day. Uh, evaluating how for for us we're going to evaluate how this year goes not only with the travel uh, but with the organized school ball and then kind of reevaluate and make a decision to maybe broaden it next year part of the decision too with the the exposure is you also have to have the ability potentially as a family to travel and some of these clubs could be thousands upon thousands of dollars to play with. Yes, sir. So that's another, that's definitely another amount. And that, that kind of speaks to, you know, you're looking at soccer teams. You know, we discussed that earlier, making it available for kids that don't have that kind of money. You know, I definitely have a heart for that. Um, So I don't know. I kind of went all over the place there. No, you said a lot. You really answered all of the questions that needed to be answered. Y'all listen, just make sure y'all have a plan, parents. Yeah. Make sure y'all have a plan. You gotta and pray about be the it. Parent, we, be the gotta... parent. Be the parent in the situation. Yes. Your kids. Your kids need guidance, and if you and if you don't have the guidance that you think you need, go to a reputable source. Go to somebody that you trust, and mm. that in the sports world, in the coaching world, and ask them: Is it best if I put my kid on this team right. or this high school team as well? But I would say the baseline should be. Whatever school your kid attends, if they're playing high school athletics at the school, understand that organized sports at the high school level is naturally going to be more pure. When you're talking about traveling right, sports right. and money is involved, it's a business. It's a little bit different. It's a, it's a business. business, right? So at the baseline, at least understand that, and then you can, you know, see which direction you want to go in your thinking and in your actions thereafter. Mm-hmm. But at the baseline. That's very one's about too. business. One's about people who are really looking out 100% of the time. Well, not 100%, but most of the time for the well-being of your athlete. Yeah, and that, and that's the most ultimately the most important is I mean the coaching and training is very important too, but the, do does the coach or the team have your child's best interest in mind? That's and so uh, having a faith or a some trust in the high school organization, which I believe I totally agree with you, I think is the most important thing at this level. Um, so really kind of valuing that opinion and, um, you know, don't, uh, don't allow the kids to make the decision because <laughs> the kids are going to be like, oh, I want to do this, do that. But you know, at that age, I, I highly recommend to, uh, you know, of course, they're going to have an opinion. You can take their thoughts into account. But at the end of the day, you're the parent, you know, and you need to do what's best for the kids. So just to piggyback on what you said there. That's right. Trust the high school, y'all. 
Yep. Well, that's it. And then go from there. We're not telling y'all don't trust some of the teams. Like, right. Not, that's not what that's we're not telling. But we're it's not scary, man, because the business part, like you said, you're going to have, I mean, that's there's right. potential that coaches could tell you anything to get that's right. your kid to play with them because that's it's almost right. like what's in it for them, you know, at Bingo. the end of the day. So, yeah. Be careful. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's why it's so hard. It's not easy, you know, and I had no idea uh, about any of this really until this year. So, learning. Always learning, man. Always be open to learning and, you know, being coachable. I mean, and that's where discretion and discernment becomes mm-hmm. so important, right? That's why you pray for discretion, pray for discernment. Every day. Every day. And wisdom. Lord knows I, I need some of that. So <laughs> thank you guys. Um, Good one today, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you guys for continuing to tune in and check us out. And please don't hesitate to share if you you know know somebody you think might enjoy uh the podcast we appreciate that you can always hit us up at no.jb.sportspedigree at gmail.com and don't forget to follow and like all the social media outlets we're out there we'll talk to y'all later check it we keep pushing forward when the lights dim the flame still burns when the night ends so it's time to get animated promptly my passions connotated as anger wrongly since i'm as real as it gets i won't take that might spew a couple of words i won't take back i'll be the thug who seems to bring charm check my skin in the u.s i'm seen as that regardless docile and harmless emblematic guinea pigs submit to control all the people in the city did silly kids only listen to that it's strength in numbers to them to me it's how you attack <laughs> sometimes i think that i'm great then I stumble It's better to be lucky than good Keeps you humble I'm hands on in my approach So when I fumble I turn over to the most high Therefore I'll never crumble Tough Gotta get started to get ahead Conduct stoic And no I'm not acting scared I'm the type they feel they have to replace Demonizing the face In my black voice And masculine traits Like it's a problem Don't fear delusional types Mentally locked in But still in tune with the hype Whole models about deception I catch a trend and go the other way You can call it an interception What's popular Tends to reveal what's going down Standing back with a scope watching from across town the guidance from above is what i view as profound so when i see they really care that's when i'm coming around